So this morning, as we think about reconnecting with God, the focus is reconnecting with prayer. And I want to just start by asking this question. What if prayer is more about reconnecting than it is about meetings and lists and chains and requests and petitions and intercessions? What if prayer is more than those things, those prayer meetings, prayer lists, prayer chains, prayer requests, prayer petitions? What if we are actually losing something or sacrificing something in our relationship with God when we don't recognize the power of prayer to reconnect us to God? What I mean by that is that sometimes... This is one of the things church can do. We can become so focused on the activity, the event, the thing. We're having a prayer gathering. That's not to say don't come afterwards for prayer. That we kind of forget what's behind it. We miss the point and the power and the purpose of prayer. This story of David that we heard a while ago from Austin, it's part of this account of him fleeing from Saul. Saul has sworn to kill him. And in the short section here, David is being aided by Jonathan, and he's fleeing from Saul. He's trying to get away from him, and he makes his way to Gath. And Gath was a Philistine city, a city-state ruled by this king, Ahish. And it kind of says a lot about David's desperate situation, about the reality of how bad things have got for him, that he flees to Philistine. Do you remember what he's most famous for at this point? Killing Goliath the Philistine. When I read that, when I was thinking about this thing I thought wow you know that that's you've got to be in a pretty bad place when the only place you can think of to escape to 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 run away to is is the city in Philistine the place where people hate you and know you only as the person that killed Goliath the Philistine got to be in a really bad place to need to make that kind of decision What we read, what we heard about, was that unsurprisingly, the king's advisors are somewhat wary of David. Perhaps a little surprised that he's appeared on the scene. And they warn the king. They want to warn the king that he's here. And David, who isn't a fool, he makes mistakes in his life. He does some strange things, but he isn't a fool. And so to stay safe, we're told that he pretends to be mad. It says, he pretended to be insane in their presence. And whilst he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. I was trying to find out what making marks on the door of the gate meant, and it's quite disgusting. I'll leave you to think about what he might have done. But it's not pleasant. He really wanted people to see him as mad. And I thought that the king's response was very interesting. He says, am I so short of madmen that you're going to bring me another one? It leaves us some questions about quite what was going on in 
in the city, the city-state in Philistine at that time, that the king felt he was already surrounded by mad people. Anyway, David flees once again, and we're told that he goes and hides in the caves of Adullam. But what's that really got to do with reconnecting to God with prayer? Well, to really understand this, we're going to have to look at another part of the Bible. We're going to read Psalm 34. Hopefully I've put it up on the the screen. I will extol the Lord at all times, and praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you're reading that from your Bible, it might have given you a hint as to why we're looking at this psalm. And the reason is that uh, we're told that David wrote this psalm at the very time that he was hiding in that cave, having gone through this this event of um, running away from Saul and pretending to be mad and being in such a desperate situation that he ends up in initially and for quite a long time in isolation in a cave, hiding from his enemies. He's on the run from Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He's hiding from the king, from Ashish, He's pretended to be mad just to survive, just to get, be able to get on with his life. And now he's living in a cave. It's not really going so great for David on the face of things. You know, by any account of what we might consider to be successful or normal, it's, it's not great. And we might imagine that, we, that any kind of prayers that David was going to to raise up at this time would be prayers crying out for God to do things and intercede and change the situation. Maybe we'd expect to, to read a psalm of, of prayers bemoaning all the bad things that have happened to him, complaining about where things have got to, crying out for help, prayers of despair. But the amazing thing about this psalm and the prayer that it is in the situation that David finds himself, is that David is literally singing God's praises. On the run, hiding, pretending to be mad, in a cave, and David sings God's praises. Now I'm not sure how many of you have had to do any of those four things, or all four things combined, But I'm sure there have been situations in your lives where things aren't been working out. Maybe there have been challenges. 
And I just wonder how easily and how readily our response in prayer has been to sing God's praises. Hey God, it's really bad. You're amazing. Or whether we resort to the, hey God, it's really bad. Let me talk all about me, God. Let me just tell you how bad it is for me and and help me and help me, God, and sort this out. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We know that David is flawed. We know things don't always go right. But what an incredible heart he has and a relationship and understanding of who God is that his, his response to any situation is to turn and praise God. These, are, these would be incredible, powerful, important words if it had just been a really good day. If it was one of those days when everything had gone right and David was having a great day and he'd said, let's praise the Lord, we'd be thinking that's a really good response. But when things are tough and things are as bad as we could probably imagine them getting, David uses praise. And once he's finished singing God's praise and and glorifying glorifying God, he actually tells us what he did next in that cave. In verse 4 he says, I sought the Lord. When things didn't go, how David perhaps would have wanted them to do, his instinct was to seek God. He knew that to be the solution to all things. He knew that that whatever was going on in his life, the answer was to get close to God, was to connect with God, to reconnect with God. You know, in a sense what David's saying here, this deliberate seeking of God implies that there was a a feeling of being separated. That maybe he was feeling distanced and and in some way abandoned and overwhelmed by what was going on, because he's human. And those emotions happen to us. You know, life does its best to separate us from God. It works at us, it gets on top of us, it pulls us away from him. And often when we discover we're in this sense, this, this state, seeking the presence is what gets us through to the next part of life's journey. Reconnecting with God is the only thing that can overcome those things that are trying to stand between us. And I think, well, hang on a minute. When, when things are standing in between us, how am I supposed to connect with God? Well, we're supposed to do that by having the same heart as David. A heart and a mind that says, no matter what's going on, no matter where I am, no matter who's chasing me or what I've got to do, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to seek the Lord. David testifies to this value and this truth. He says this, I sought the Lord. And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. 
The great truth of prayer is that God always comes through. Always. Always. And it's only by reconnecting with God, making sure that we are in that proper relationship with him, that we can experience the faithfulness of God in prayer. Even when the circumstances we find ourselves in are awful. When life stinks, as long as we are connected to God, then we can understand and and discover again the faithfulness of God. See, because prayer is more than some kind of arm-twisting of God, some kind of persuading him to do what we want, to change the circumstances we find ourselves in. You know, David is singing God's praise and Saul is after his head. You know, I wonder what my prayer might have been in that moment. Perhaps it would be too easy to be saying, Lord, can you do something with Saul? Can you sort that out? But David's focus is on praising God. And that's because he knows God intimately. He knows, really, that he doesn't need to tell God what all his problems are. Because God knows what his problems are. What he needs to do is reaffirm to God, but more to himself, perhaps, that he trusts God, that he's in that relationship with God, that he can stand in any situation on the promises of God. (coughs) Excuse me. David had to hide. He had to hide behind the disguise of insanity in front of his enemies. We're told he had spit on his face. And yet, he says this, those that look to him, those that look to God, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. From a worldly perspective, he's had to make himself disgusting. Make himself mad so that the people will get away from him. But he says, it doesn't matter what I look like. doesn't matter what other people think of me. God looks at me with radiance. And I am never ashamed. I'm never covered with shame. The people around him were either viewing him with disdain or disgust. But God still sees him exactly who he is. It is a real mark of confidence that David has, a mark of trust that he demonstrates in God, that he can make that declaration, sitting in a cave, having run away to hide from his enemies. See, David doesn't allow the opinions and the judgments of other people to define him. He knows that he is defined by God and God alone. And this confidence can only come from being connected to God. To be able to speak like that and pray like that can only come out of David's connection to God, being connected, even when there have been things that have gone wrong in his life and later other things will go wrong. And there will be times when that connection gets weak. He gets himself connected to God at every opportunity. He stays connected to God. 
And he demonstrates that in this prayer. Connected in prayer. If we want that same kind of confidence in our lives and about our lives, then we need to make sure we're connected with God too. In that same way. Because if we're not, we need to reconnect. We need to make a point of deliberately saying, do you know, actually, when was the last time I really sat and praised the Lord in my prayer? When did I really sit and just acknowledge who God was? When was the last time I didn't go to God with complaints or worries or problems or issues or moaning about somebody else? When did I just sit in the presence of God and acknowledge who he is and who he knows me to be? Because if that's not something we know recently, we need to do it. We need to reconnect in that. Let's just continue to read what David writes. And as we do, I think what we discover is something of the real sense of peace that David has. Peace in a cave, having pretended to be mad, being chased, having to hide amongst his enemies. And yet he has peace in God's presence. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. There's such beautiful confidence that David has in what God has done for him in that moment. And the remarkable thing about that is he's still in a cave. Saul is still hunting him he's still got trouble ahead well there's a song about that isn't there there will be no I won't sing it don't worry we might look at this and think how can he say that how can he proclaim that God has helped him that God has lifted him out of his troubles and resolved them when he's still in a cave and he's still on the run and he still fears for his life how has God actually answered his prayers? How does that make sense? It might not be for us. We might look at that and say, well, it's, God hasn't come through yet. But the truth is, David knows that God has come through, has always come through, and will come through. Because David is so close to God that he's able to understand that God's response to our situations, God's answer to our prayers and our needs, aren't always instant. But they're always, always prepared. They're always fulfilled. We know, because we can read the Bible when we choose to, that Saul, uh, that Saul is going to be pursuing David for at least another four years, maybe six or eight years. So when David says, God has rescued me from all my trouble. There's still quite a long time to go. And I know that David wouldn't have known that in that moment, or we might say he didn't know how much longer it was going to last. But what he knew was that he could trust God. That God had it all in hand. It was all, all his troubles were sorted. Even the ones that he was still having to work through. He had confidence that God had it all in control. He probably didn't understand 
why the things that were happening were happening, or what was you know what it what, what was going on now. And he and he certainly wouldn't have liked what was going on to him at that time, but he trusted and knew that God had it in control. He knew that God was working out the future for David's good. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I think if David had been perhaps a bit more like us sometimes, probably more often than we'd like it to, well, definitely more often than we'd like it to be, if he'd become so absorbed in everything that was going on around him and to him, if he had forgotten to or chosen not to keep himself close to God, he would have missed out on so much that God had prepared for him, that God had planned to bless him and bless others through him. He would have sacrificed all that. He would have missed it by not being connected to God. He would have missed the opportunity to learn more about himself, to grow in his relationship with God. And that would have happened quite simply if he'd not been connected in prayer. Taste and see, says David. It's an invitation to every one of us. He says, do you want to know what it's like to have a real, intimate, personal, close relationship with God? Do you? David says, do you want that? Taste and see. Try it for yourself. I'm kind of defeating the point of standing here in a way because I'm saying don't listen to people like me tell you that you should pray more. Try it. Try it yourself. It's the only way you will ever get to understand just how amazing it is. Taste and see. I could tell you all about my own prayer experiences. We could get everybody up and we could all share that amongst each other. And that would be powerful. Could tell about how God had come through in a certain situation. Could tell about how God had answered a certain prayer in a certain time. But the only way you will ever understand for yourself what it means to be in that relationship with God is if you taste and see for yourself. No one else can do it. There's no point in saying, have a taste and tell me if it's any good, like you might do with some suspicious foreign food or something, you know. Wait to see if they survive and then try it yourself. You have to taste yourself, that relationship with God. And then you will know for yourself, not because I've told you or anyone else has told you, that God is good. David said at the end of his prayer, this psalm, that we can be, we will be blessed when we take refuge in God. Prayer is relatively easy when things are going well, although I think perhaps we forget to do it when things are going well. David's example reminds us that 
When things are bad, we need to get connected. We need to reconnect. There's no situation in your life, there's nothing that might be going on with you, good or bad, that should separate you from talking to God, to being connected in prayer. If you have any of these in your life, concerns, doubts, fears or worries, then you need to be talking to God about them and listening to God. Because those things aren't going to resolve themselves and you aren't going to be able to fix them unless you are in God's power. Get reconnected. Stay connected. And yes, doing things like going to prayer gatherings and finding someone to pray a couple with and and going to house group and prayer meetings and making time, those things really do help. But they only help if we understand that the heart of them are being connected to God in prayer and discovering the power of prayer. Taste and see. And you will find that God is good.